What's up, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Epic Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Lead Pastor Marcus Y. Roger, aka PM is what they call me. So I'm excited because we're in an all new series. Now, this has to be my favorite series. And I know, I know, I probably call every series my favorite, but I just love teaching. You know, you, you can't help it when you find that thing you love. So, but this series, I think, is extremely powerful. We're in a series entitled Adulting 101. Adulting 101. Now, here's the idea behind it. One of the things I notice is that we normally have more tasks than we have time. And we're trying to figure out, you know, as we grow in in a loving relationship with God, but we also have loving relationships with friends and with family and with work and with finance. So how do you balance it? How do I balance how much time I spend praying versus how much time I spend growing in my professional life and studying to be better in my skill set? How much time should I spend in my spiritual life? How much time should I spend in my social life? How much time should I spend at church? And how much time should I spend in corporate America? It's just tough, delicate balance, trying to figure it all out. I mean, we got shows we love watching. How much should I chill and how much should I work? You know, this balance is walking this balance beam as we grow up in life. We're also growing in our faith with God. And sometimes we are in conflict. You know, you only have 24 hours, but where should you spend it in order to get what God has for you? And one of the major things we're trying to push in this message is to get people to understand that there is going to be many times in your life. Here's our mantra. If you stick with us throughout this series, here's our mantra. You've got to realize that everything you do as an adult is not based on how you feel, but what has to get done. So our mantra is, I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. There is something about pushing yourself to do it anyway, that whatever God wants us to do and the purpose he has for our life, we're going to learn how to manage all of them because we, t- you let me just lead you into it. I was about to give it away. It's like, you know, why not just let you hear it? So enjoy. This is message one of the adulting series. And I don't know how long we're going to be on it. We might ride this all the way to 2020. So strap in and enjoy this message. But do me one favor. We want to get the message out. So I'm going to ask you for this. If you hear anything that you enjoy, you learn from, I'm going to ask you to just share it with someone. Let somebody else know how they can come and listen to the Epic Nation podcast, as well as Leave us a review. The more reviews you leave, the more comments you leave. It makes it easier and and better for people to find out about the Epic Nation podcast. All right. Without further ado, Adulting 101. And this message is entitled, Pick Your Switch. I'll talk to you in a minute. We are Epic. So Adulting 101 is the series that we're going into now. Here's why I'm excited about this series. It's because I started asking God, what is the reason for this? Like, why, why you got me going in this direction? And I realized this series is not for everybody. This is for, this is for that person who you might not have said these exact words, but it was some variation of it where you, you in your heart started saying, it's got to be more to life than this. You're reaching that point. There's something secretly in you said, it's got to be more than this. Now, you might not have used those exact words, but it was some variation of that emotion. The other person that this series is for is a person who says, God, I'm grateful, but I still want more. Like you hit that spot where you can't even say it to anybody because you sound ungrateful talking about it because life has been good to you. But you know, deep down inside, you're great in one area, but in some areas that's depleted. 
And people think if you're winning in your profession that you're okay in your social life. People think if you're winning with God, you, then you're not depleting other areas. Or sometimes you could be winning on all areas, but it's still not enough. So this series, and I said, okay, God, what, what does that have to do with adulting 101? He said, there are people who love me and I love them too, but they, are, they have no clue how to grow in me. So now they're violating principles that I taught, that they are supposed to follow for me to bless them and begging me to do it, but I cannot violate my principles. Okay, okay, make it make sense, Marcus. So if I were to make up a story on the spot, let's just say there was a man who was born, who was born into a, a very religious family. And I ain't even teaching yet, but I felt like it'll make sense to adult one-on-one. So a man who's been religious his whole life, he was born to parents who were, who were pastors. He has fasted his whole life. He never kissed a girl, never hugged anybody, never cursed, never smoked, never drank, never did nothing. Like, who is that? <laughs> he never did nothing wrong. His whole life, all he did was pray 12 hours a day. Instead of going to college, he said, well, I go to college, I'm going to spend all my days with God. So when he finally gets about 40 years old, he does something. He says, I'm going to prove to the world that Jesus will take good care of you no matter what you do. So he brings everybody around to watch him. And he says, stand here, I'm going to jump off a building to show you I spent my whole life praying to God. Watch God save me. The man jumps off the building. All right, everybody ready to move on with the series? Oh, y'all want to know what happened with the man? Oh, he died. Yeah. <laughs> it's a set of, so here's what I, I was joking, but here's what I want to teach you. The man, no matter how much he has invested in his spiritual life and devotion to God, he can't violate the principle of gravity. Got it now. No matter how much you love God, you cannot violate principles God put in place and pray that he blocks or stops a principle to bless you. So adulting one on one is learning how to grow in your spirituality your professional life and your social life because some promotions is not because people hate you. Some promotions is because you just interview bad. <laughs> some, some, some promotions is because you, don't, you lack the ability, the confidence to walk in and say what you need to say or to assert yourself. It ain't all the devil. Some of it is some personal issues. Amen. Some of it are some things that God could heal you and give you confidence and you could step into the next level of life. Some of it is you don't have the relationship currency. Most people, by show of hands, don't have two people you can ask for $5,000 with no strings attached. Most of the time, you don't know nobody that got it. Which means if God is going to bless you, he has to entrust your blessing to somebody. Amen. Which means we got to now grow up and learn how to step into a new social structure. Follow me now. Adulting 101 is not for the faint of heart because I'm going to give you some real stuff that's going to convict you, challenge you. My job is not to just be heavy in theology, but my job over the next few weeks is to, is to help you in principle. It's to help you in principle. Because some things, is, is not about like, okay, God, if I'm dealing with anxiety, okay, there's a spiritual side of it, but there's a natural side of it. So how do we grow up in God and get everything he has and wants for us and stop violating the subtle principles of God that keep us from having all that he wants from us? Anybody excited about this series? Yeah. I, I see. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Okay. I love it. So let's get into it tonight. Don't, don't move yet just yet. Don't, let's get into it tonight. What I want to do, I want to I use extreme brevity, but I want to make sure there's going to be certain points where I tell you, all right, this is where you take notes right? Because it's got to hit you again when you leave here. You can't just hear it once and think you're good. I need you to make sure that you take it. Now, how many of y'all write notes and never look at them? Be honest. All right, never look at them. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to use this stuff, write notes, and actually execute, like activate it. Use it as a roadmap over the next few weeks. 
Because if you don't track your, everybody know what a MyFitnessPal is. If you don't track what your, your intake, how do you know about your results? How do you know if you're progressing? I want you to track it over these next few weeks to win this series. I want you to write notes and track your progress. Track your growth. Are you growing? What do y'all do, do with kids as they grow taller? You mark the wall to see how much taller they got because you're right there with them. You don't know if they got taller. You don't notice it. You don't notice your growth until somebody else sees it. So how will you notice your growth if we're not tracking it together? This is why I ask you certain times, hey, remember when I was teaching on blah, blah, blah? And you're like, mm, never heard of it. This stuff got to stick, man. It's progressive. You build on it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Take me to my scripture. Oh, oh, this before my scripture. This is going to be our mantra for this whole series. Adults and one-on-one, this is our mantra. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm gonna, I don't feel like it, but finish the last part. Come on, I don't feel like it, but okay, you gotta sit. Hey, you, you gotta you gotta put a little ghetto on it. I, I hear some people say, "But I am going to do it anyway." <laughs> it should have been, "I'm gonna do it anyway." <laughs> okay, I don't feel like it, but that is the statement of an adult. Kids are led by feelings. Adults say, "I don't feel like going to work, but I, I'm sorry." Come again, say what? I don't feel like reading, but I don't feel like working out, but this is what people who stay married say. I don't feel like being with you, but I don't feel like being a parent, but all success is going to be against I don't feel like it, but man, give, give, me, give me some of that energy. All right. Online, y'all ready? Let's do it. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. All the way to verse 5 to chapter 4, verse 1. Okay, stay right there for me. Galatians chapter 3, stay right there. Y'all don't even have to pull out y'all Bibles. And let me calm down so my alto don't overwhelm my info. But I realized that I got, I got to bring the energy on 100,000 trillion. So I'm probably going to grab my coffee and turn up even more. Huh? I'm try, trying to decide how I want to do it tonight. Everybody ready? Yes? No? Y'all ready for tonight? No, I'm good. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. I'm in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, in the New Living Translation. You know, that's what we use. Good ghetto gospel version of the Bible. All right. Now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Do y'all see the purposeful inflection? Showing you that that's significant. Pay attention to that. God's promise to Abraham, who does it belong to? What is God's promise to Abraham then? If I got something that God gave to Abraham that belonged to me, I want it. Okay, y'all, does anybody, is anybody old enough to remember J.G. Wentworth commercial? It's my money and I want it. <laughs> Listen to me. So if God promised Abraham something and I'm a child of Abraham, I'm an heir. That means I've got an inheritance stored up for me. It's my promise and I want it. Go to the next verse for me. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they... Come on, y'all. Come on, everybody. Read it with me. That, what does that last one say? That if a father left something to you, you're no better off than a slave. Although, 
Come Although you're a king, you're no better off than a peasant. Although you're a CEO, you're no better off than a janitor. Until you do what? Grow up. Oh, even though they actually own everything their father had, but they've got nothing. Don't move yet. Are y'all, this is the Bible. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. But I'm excited about it because I know where I'm going. Isn't this amazing that God would say to me that he's got something for me, but I can't have it until I grow up. That God could, could you imagine a whole other world out there? You know what I really think? I think your frustration is because you're living inside of the life that you had to live versus the one God had for you. Amen. I think something happened. I think somewhere along the line, you, you started playing dress up. You started, you, you did what you had to do, not what you wanted to do. That the frustration is holy discomfort. You're, you want more because you're supposed to want more. Sometimes God has to disrupt you. Okay, I, this is before I even get to tell you my subject, but I feel so good. I feel like I got to give you this. Do y'all realize that pain is a gift? Pain is a gift. If you sprained your ankle but felt nothing, you'd hurt yourself worse. Pain is a gift to tell you something's wrong, to protect you from you. When you are in pain, it is a gift to tell you something ain't right. Oh, hold on. I, what's going on? Pain is a gift. And if the physical body produces pain as a gift to tell you something's wrong, the soul can produce discomfort. To tell you the life I'm living emotionally, I, this ain't I, something off. Spiritually, that's why I call it holy discomfort. When God disrupts you to not feel comfortable where you are, that everything becomes recognizable. It's like when you buy a car, you start seeing them all over the road. Like it's like it. That God starts making you pay attention to things to get you ready for the next place He wants in life. To, but here's the thing: He dangles it in front of you, but you can't have it until you. Kill him with that scripture. All right, so I want to preach tonight using another subject. Pick your switch. Pick your switch. Pick your switch. Stay there. Let's pray. Everybody ready? Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this message. Give it to us the way we need to receive it. Father, whether they're watching online, whether they're here in person, you are present. We expect to hear something from you. God, the problem is not your word. Your problem is the person you choose to express it. Don't let your people be hindered by my inadequacies. Give me the mental ability to express the thoughts that you've already given me. Father, I love you. I thank you. It is in your name that tonight we grow up. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm not, I know there's a diverse group. I, I know some people in here, Costa Rica, correct? Well, nationality? Poland. So we've got, well, we got Jamaican, we've got Haitian, we've got some of everything. And of course, I'm an African-American male. So I'm not sure what everyone's upbringing is, but I grew up in the 80s. And here's the thing. I grew up in the 80s, and this was before Time Out. See, in the 80s, it wasn't Time Out. This, it, growing up in the 80s, being sent to your room was a real punishment because you didn't have no cell phone. <laughs> like, like I'm talking about a real, go to my room. Now you say go to your room. Okay, shoot, I'll pick up my iPad. I grew up in the 80s like it was a real punishment to go to your room. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about where you had the TV, where you, it wasn't no remote. You clicked the knob and you had the bunny ears where you had to move them just right to get the right picture. You follow me? So I grew up in the 80s and here's what would happen, right? So my parents, especially my father, he was not one of those guys that planned your whoopings. He kind of just whatever happened corrected it on the spot. 
So, you know, you talk, I don't know how y'all grew up. I know we're different, but you know, if you were a child talking in an adult's conversation, <laughs> you know, you just, you just know a quick backhand and you keep it moving. My father would do the kind of stuff. I, I don't know if he's watching. You could be in the middle of doing something and he's calling your name. He'd take his shoe. Son! Boom! He'd throw the shoe. I'm not joking. This is a true story, everybody. But when things got really bad, instead of just a quick slap, a quick hit, a quick hit you with a shoe, push you, punch you, whatever the case may be. I mean, it was kind of abuse, but I mean, it was normal. <laughs> but when it got really bad, you know what he'd tell you to do? Son, go outside and get a switch. <laughs> this was the worst punishment because you got a chance to be involved in your pain. You got an opportunity. I think it's kind of worse than, than, the, than, the, than, than death row. It's like that, that feeling in your stomach, like I'm going to whoop you when I get home, that feeling that you're going out there and you are involved in the process of your own pain. I mean, could you imagine how tough it is? And you, What y'all used to do? Look for the thinnest one, but then you realize the thin ones hurt worse. <laughs> oh, y'all got whooped with switches too? Oh, Lord have mercy. Child abuse. But here, here, is, here is the point in all of this. Here's the point in all of this. The whole pick your switch. The anxiety that builds up about getting an opportunity to be a part of what I know mentally will cause pain. There's nothing I could do to avoid it, but I get a chance to be a part of the process of choosing my pain. Tonight, what I'm going to explain to you is that you cannot avoid pain, but you get a chance to pick your switch. Sure. You get to choose what will be the level of your pain, and I'll unpack it more as we progress, but God is a great father. And just like my father, he, my father was a little... You know, we like the little patience, but God is a good father. And let me, let me tell you, God is a loving father. Now, anyone remember when I talked about the love of God for two weeks in a row? Let me slow down and give this to you. One of the major things I told you about the love of God was that God's love is not sentimental. It is not sensual. It is not ah. It is not ooh. It is an intellectual decision. That God made an informed decision to love you. It was not reactionary to a response you give. It's not like walking by or scrolling down your timeline and you saw something that caught your eye. It's not like that. It is where he made an intellectual decision before you were ever born to love you. God made an agreement with himself to love you forever. Now, as a father, that means anything I do does not shock or surprise him. Follow me. He's got a blueprint and a plan and he's made a decision. To love me forever. It's settled. He can never change it. As long as, as he exists, he will always love me. So it is an informed decision and included in it is my messiness. Included in it is the good me and the bad me. Included in it is the turn up me and the turn down me. Included in it, y'all get what I'm saying. It's the nice and the nasty me and he is not surprised. But what he has to do is create an environment to get me to grow up and to stop doing the behavior following with the love of God. The love of God is a beautiful thing because it's so intellectual. He has 100% information of everything I'll do, but he still loves me. So what he has to do at certain points, he recognizes something. And I'm going to tell y'all a story what, what was tripping out to me the other day. I went to the grocery store. And while I'm at the grocery store, I'm, walk, I'm on the phone at the time, and the young ladies bagging up my groceries was younger girls, and they're not really paying attention. They're talking, laughing. I'm not paying attention either. I get back to my place. I drive. I put everything in the, in the trunk. Boom. I live in an apartment building where sometimes I'm on the fifth floor, fourth, third, wherever's open. But I live on the third. 
So now I got all these grocery bags in my hand. And if y'all anything like me, I mean, it's a, it's a rat race. I will stuff everything in my hand before I make, you can kill me dead before I make two trips. <laughs> I mean, you might as well put me on the firing range. So I got all these bags in my hand. And I'm walking, and I start here, boom, 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 look back, and realize the girls didn't double bag me. They single bagged me. Yeah, yeah, no, they single bag me, so all my groceries falling, but I got so much stuff in my hand that if I let what I have go, uh, to grab what I have, it's going to be even worse because it's like, okay, I, you have to wrap it up so bad you can't even get it off. Y'all you know what you want? So like, even if you want to put the bags down, you can't because they're all tangled and tied up in your hands. So I'm trying to figure out, how do I get my groceries? Okay, do I go, I'm on the fifth floor. Do I go down the third, come back? Now somebody might take my groceries. I'm tripping like, what do I do? Finally, I let the stuff down. I pick it all up and now I, it won't all fill in the same bag. And something hit me, y'all. Something some hit me with this whole grocery piece. Some hit me with the whole grocery piece. The same way that the girl single bagged me where things are now that I, that I paid for are falling out, God, who's a loving father, realizes he can't give you everything in the bag of your life because you got holes in your life. He realizes that if he bless you in your job, he know your faith going to fall. He realizes that, okay, I want a relationship, but you haven't, when I say single bag, you haven't secured your life with God surrounding everything. That God is in some areas, but in some of the areas of your life, there are still holes and deficiencies that the moment you get your hands on a few things, everything else falls. Oh, I'm great at work, but, oh, I'm great in a relationship, but that you get great at one thing, and every time he blesses you with something, something else falls. Oh, you, you, you are phenomenal in relationships, horrible friend. Girl, I ain't talked to you in so long. Hey, bro, where you been? That every time he blesses you in one area, you have not learned to manage all the responsibilities of your life. So you are just like me. Boom. What is that? Oh, relationship. Oh, what is that? Misunderstanding. What is that? Work, my health. God required, God would never bless you to ruin your life. Amen. Certain things you're praying for, you have not learned to manage all the things that comes with it. So now you are just like me trying to figure out what do I hold on to? What do I put down to pick up what dropped? Everybody making the connection. This is adulting 101 because in order for there to be new beginnings, there must be necessary endings. This is adulting 101. To understand what must I leave? What behavior can't go into your future? What habit can't go into your future? I mean, anybody in here got to, that normally got to be somewhere at like, I'm going to choose a time. At 3 o'clock, you leave at 2.50. No matter how much you plan, just be honest, no matter how much you plan, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to get there early this time. You look up, God darn it, I'm late again. Look, come on, show your hands. Oh, which means you are one emergency away from life changing. You, you, let's just say you're a kind-hearted person, that you love people. But if your job is on the line and everything else on the line, you then got to choose between you and other people because you're now what God has to do now. If you're praying, God, I'm, I'm tired of this job. I'm going to just use job tonight, right? Let's just say it's a work environment and you're wanting to move to a different space in life or even if it's financial. Let's just, let's just go all the board, all across the board. No matter what the area of your life is that you're asking God for, because he's a loving father, he realizes, here's an example, Keys in the hands of a kid is a toy. Keys in the hands of an adult is transportation. Why would he give a, a, a grown adult with a child's mind keys to the next level of their life? You'll play with the opportunity. Yes, sir. 
rather than use it as transportation to move your life forward and other people's life forward. So God then has got to look at you every time you pray as a loving father. He's got to say, man, I want them to have this. But he just ain't mature enough. If I give them this, he knows the adverse effect of what will fall. Oh, my God. That's, that's a painful thing. Could you imagine a loving God who, who is bothering him to not be able to give it to you? Because he's like, every time I give it to him, something that's most important falls. Oh, man. Oh, man. He, he knows the capacity of your life. God is a loving father. God is a loving father. Take me to my next one. I, God prepares you for it, not it for you. Amen. You, there is nothing that you got to pray for that God's got to create. Everything that you could possibly pray for is already created. It's already done. God is not reactionary to your prayer or your problem. For every problem, he's got a solution. For every question, he's got an answer. He is not preparing you. He's not preparing it for you. He's preparing you for it. Sure. You can have anything you pray for, but not the you you are now. Amen. Did everybody catch that? Yes. Not the you you are now. There must be a shedding away of the old you. I was tripping on this the other day. I'm moving around. I was like, man, I think I've been single for so long. <laughs> I, I ain't got so go in my space. I'm like, I wonder how would I adjust to this? I'm looking around the closet. I'm looking around. I'm like, man, I'm so stuck in my ways. How would I even adjust to this thing? Which means he ain't, he's not preparing it or she for me. He's preparing me for her. Sure. Whatever you're praying for. There is a preparational phase that happens internally. Let's move. Let's move. Let's, let's unpack this. The blessings of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. This scripture is powerful. Oh, man. Can, can I just go there? Y'all know I love my Bible. The blessings of the Lord makes a person. God, I don't get a choice in the matter? Nah. When I bless you, I'm going to make you elevate your life to another level. Amen. You cannot be blessed by God and stay where you are. Thank you, Lord. you cannot be blessed by God and your life remain the same. There is something that happens when you are actively in alignment with the will of God that everything else gets better. Sure. Sometimes it don't even look like it, but you start realizing, man, I just feel more productive. I feel more energetic because what we think is blessings is material things, but sometimes it's the intangibles. It's the things we can't see in this season of our life that in the next season, man, I'm so happy I did that. Because sometimes a blessing looks painful. Any person that's a mother understands this, that the pain of pushing the baby out, we call it a blessing, but the whole process of the nine months and the birthing process is painful. Building a business is a blessing, but in the process it's painful because you look at blessings and think that blessings come like, ta-da, this beautiful thing. Does the Lord make rich? And here's why I had to do this. And he adds no sorrow with it. If God is going to put this in the scriptures, it is because there must be a such thing as a counterfeit blessing. Why would you differentiate a blessing that make rich and one that adds no sorrow if, it, if there is a such thing? If there's no such thing as a blessing without sorrow, why would you tell me that it adds no sorrow? It's to show me the difference between God's blessings and a counterfeit blessing. Amen. I've got to know everything that comes into my life is not a blessing. Yes, sir. Marcus, preach this thing. What do you mean a counterfeit? Can we go Bible? Yep. Do you realize that, that Satan 
The only, Satan, when we say Satan, that he's looking to take from us. I get it. I get the concept. But every major figure in the Bible, he offered them something he didn't take from them. What he took was subliminal. What did Satan do to Adam and Eve? Hey, um, has God told you for nothing that you can't have from the tree? He's not taking from them. He's offering them something. But underneath it is a blessing that adds salt. What do you do to Job? Does he suffer? Job is the only person he takes from, but Satan tells you why. He had nothing to offer. Does he, does he serve you for not? You've given him everything you wanted and placed a hedge around him. There is nothing I can offer him. <laughs> Are y'all getting it now? What, what did Satan do to Jesus? Offered him something. So now we see why the blessing of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow because a, a blessing out of season is a curse. Oh my God, a blessing out of season becomes a curse. So now we've got, is everybody learning tonight? Yes. All right, let me calm down. Let me calm down. I said I wanted to teach tonight. I was trying to pull my Joel Osteen tonight. All right. A blessing, everyone, my good friends. <laughs> no, no? Turn it up just a little bit? Okay, all right. All right. All right, turn up, turn up. Here we go. Here's what comes with the blessing. Blessings come with lessons, privileges, responsibilities. Let me unpack this. If you're online, let me slow down. Every blessing comes with a lesson, a privilege, and a responsibility. This is for adults. This is grown-up. This is a rated R type of conversation. Did I just say responsibility in church? Watch your mouth. <laughs> blessings come with lessons, privileges, and responsibilities. Can I unpack this? What's the lessons that come with my blessing? I didn't even mean to rhyme like that, but I just killed you with them bars. <laughs> Every blessing comes with a lesson. Y'all should be, y'all gonna wanna write this. This is gonna be really good. Y'all gonna wanna write this. This is when you take notes. Online, this is when you take notes. What's the lessons of my blessing? There is always an adjustment period of your life when you initially get blessed. The moment you move into any new level of life, there is a period of time that you've got to learn, how do I respond to the blessing God just gave me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Do you promise to have to hold in sickness and health as long as you both shall live? I do. We got married today. It's such a blessing. But how long is the, is the period of time of a lesson to learn how do I live with this stranger? How long does it take to adjust to death do us part? Because that's how long it's going to take. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just got a new car. But there's a lesson that has to be learned in the process. Oh, just got a promotion at work. But now I feel uncomfortable because I was I knew my old job, but I've got a period of time to learn the lessons needed to be able to manage the blessing. Got it now. No matter what it is that comes into your life when it is truly a blessing, there is a period of time that it takes for you to adjust. If you move to a new city, oh, I'm so blessed to be in Fort Lauderdale, but it's an adjustment. Oh, I'm so blessed to, be, to live where I live, do what I do. When you, Oh my God, I'm an author. But there's a period of time that there's a lesson. Oh, hey, can you, do you mind sitting? Oh man, I don't even have that. You start realizing how insufficient you feel in the blessing because you're not fully prepared just yet. It begins to poke at your, 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 your insecurities, your uncertainties, your inadequacies to force you into growth. Y'all following this? 
that period, anybody ever gone through a period of time where you, you're having to learn the lessons? And somebody points it out. Hey, Marcus, did you remember the dog? I forgot. Okay, give me one second. Let me do it. And you feel so bad, but it's just a part of the lessons. Here we go. The privileges. Stay, stay. Here we go. The privileges. The privileges. The privileges are the blessing. These are, these are the rewards that come with it. I get to enjoy what came with it. I don't even need no examples for that. Y'all got it. But the last but not least is the responsibilities. Now, this is the hard one. The bless every blessing God gives me is going to come with lessons, privileges, and responsibility. This is the hard part because I'm supposed to learn the lesson, enjoy the privileges, and manage the responsibilities. Man, that was so good. I, I'll say it again. I'm supposed to learn the lessons, enjoy the privileges, and manage the responsibilities. Oh, my goodness. Can I go, can I go rated R but Bible? Yes. I love my Bible. Yeah, some, you're going to like this, Ross. So there's a story in the Bible of, 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 of two brothers, Onan and Ur. Anybody ever heard of them? Onan and Ur. Onan and Ur. It's okay. It's in Genesis. Story called of Onan and Ur. Now, one of the brothers dies. So according to the law of Moses, when a brother would die, the next brother is supposed to go and marry, marry the wife, take her on to, to perpetuate the family name. Now, it sounds nasty now. I get it. Because if I died and my brother married my wife, I'm coming up from the grave like, what you talking about, bruh? <laughs> bruh, bruh. Biblical times, that's how they did. So Onan dies. Onan is supposed to go and marry his brother's wife and have a child by her because his brother died not having any children. Everybody following. But here's what Ur did. Ur had sexual intercourse with his brother's wife. And he, now this is Bible. This ain't even nasty. He pulled out. I told you I was going to rate it all, but it's Bible. Ain't it bad you got a sense of the Bible? That thing, they a messy situation. He, he has sexual intercourse. This is in the book of Genesis. With his brother's wife, and he pulls out and spills the seed on the ground. And the Bible says, and God saw it as wickedness and killed him. Oh, I'm tripping. But what's wicked about enjoying pleasure without managing the responsibility? <laughs> God views it as wickedness when a person enjoys the privileges without managing the responsibility. Amen. He kills a man, and oh, this is Old Testament, this is good Bible teaching, for enjoying the pleasure of sexual intimacy without managing responsibility. Now, you might be saying, Marcus, let's not go there with that point. But what are the things that you are enjoying but not managing responsibility? Let's just talk about your faith. You are a recipient of something that is so great that Jesus has died and paid for. How you manage that responsibility? Amen. I've killed your joy. Moving right along. <laughs> Move on. Here we go. So what, what does God do? Are we learning something tonight? Let me take a sip of water. Online. Y'all learning tonight, E-Nation? Let's learn. Let's grow. So here's what God does. When God gets ready for me to grow, when God gets ready for me to grow, he puts me in what I call a growth environment. It's not fun. It's kind of like that old school seesaw where one side is down, one side is up, one side is down. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, y'all never went to the playground. Y'all was inside. Okay, who was born in the 90s? You was on, on video games. Okay. 
but the old school seesaw. Here's what God does. He places me in an environment, write this down, of instability. When God, everything in my life seems shaky, but everything that I could think of in my life that was shaky are the most pleasurable experiences of my life. Baby, wiggling, no stability, finally starts crawling, but at first he can't crawl completely, he's unstable. Baby stands up to walk for the first time, first few steps, there's no stability. But in the process of the instability, I get stability. Everybody's still following. Your first time meeting somebody, dating, it was an unstable environment because I've got to now relinquish the thing in me that normally wants to protect myself and give it to you, which makes me unstable. Oh, new, new, okay, move to a new city, unstable. Everything that has been enjoyable in your life, including college, you enjoy the fact that they, okay, oh my God, I got accepted into such and such, but you had to leave one environment to go into another, and the new environment was unstable. Some of y'all just coming into your faith, and you're like, okay, I rock with God, but... That church thing, it's, it's, I, I'm not quite comfortable worshiping. It's an unstable environment. I, I, okay, I'm trying to read the Bible, but it don't really make sense. And somebody begot somebody that begot somebody. I don't know. It sounds like a trick daddy song. Anybody that knows somebody that knows somebody. <laughs> like, you're trying to figure out how much of this stuff. Okay, okay I don't want to get it wrong, but I don't really understand it. It's an unstable environment. Something that man is saying makes sense, but something in me questioning, God, am I off? New friendships where you're kind of comfortable, but you ain't completely comfortable being yourself yet. But they're the type of friends you need. You know, new networking partners, new relationships. Every environment that you need for growth starts in the environment of unstableness. This is how God grows you. Anybody remember? What's the first thing that happened when you rode a bike? Unstable. But it was, it was the most fun thing you did back then. Remember when you first got your driver's license and drove a car? Unstable. You were uncomfortable. You, you come on. You was twelve and you was nine and three. You turn on your turning signal. Now you just switch lanes and say, "Oh, now they, what they say? I'm number one." No, they flick you off. <laughs> Everybody get what I'm saying? God's ability to grow you. If you are going to grow your muscles, here go my fitness people. The way you get quick results is to now put yourself on a medicine ball because the more unstable you are, the more targeted your muscles are. Oh, follow me. Whenever you're on medicine ball, now you're, you're constricting your core. Because the whole time, it is focused on one muscle. What God does in your life is puts you in unstable environments and forces you to grow or crumble. Amen. Because his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So it is in these environments of growth that now... Remember, what is our mantra for adulting one-on-one? I don't feel like it, but... Come on, somebody say it with me. I don't feel like it, but... I'm going to do it anyway. That's the growth environment. That the things that are uncomfortable... When research, come on, it is, it's not fun to balance a checkbook. As an adult, the things that are unstable, that are uncertain... Let's move. Let's move. Here we go. Okay, so here's what God does. For the Lord disciplines those he loves... This seems so odd. This seems so odd. Do y'all remember a few weeks ago 
when y'all got really, really excited when I, when I taught a message called It Hurt Me to Love You? Anybody remember that? Yes. Okay, so I taught a message called It Hurt Me to Love You. And here's what happened. In the message, I was saying how it hurt Jesus to love you because of the stripes he took, the pain he took, the crown of thorns on his head, the nails in his wrist, the nails in his feet, the blood that he lost, hemotohydrosis, how his body began to sweat blood, how he began to lose and suffocate within himself. It hurt him to love you. But now I learned something reading Hebrews 12. If I'm going to be in relationship with Jesus, what he does then, the Bible tells me, we're in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 6. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. So, God, I ain't never heard this preach that I'm going to go through some pain if you love me. That don't sound like what Grandma said. That don't sound like what Rev said when he pulled his ear back and started hooping. That don't sound like what he told me may not come when you want him. Yeah, yeah, that don't sound like that don't sound like what Rev said. The Bible is telling me now, a part of my growing up, remember the growth environment, is that God disciplines you if he loves you. Amen. Because he's preparing you for your future. Sure. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine Hold on. Divine discipline? What's so divine about going through it? As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? Uh-oh. Verse 8. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Now, I start to give you King James Version that, say, that says you're a bastard and not a son. That's what King James said, but I thought King James was a little harsh, so I went with New Living. That says illegitimate. So that means if I go my whole life doing whatever I want to do, and there's no discipline in my life, you mean to tell me that God's not my father? Because as a loving and good father, he's going to make sure he disciplines me to learn the lessons, enjoy the privileges, and manage the responsibilities. Yes, sir. This is so good. This is so good. I'm enjoying this. I don't know how y'all feel about it, but I'm enjoying myself. All right. Go to my next one. This text that I'm about, this that I'm about to go into now is the whole reason where the idea of pick your switch came from. I'm I was tripping. I was tripping. I had this thought. And I was like, how do I launch off into this series adult and one-on-one? And I wasn't really kind of based on the whole, you know, torture treatment of, of getting beat by switches. I wasn't tripping on that. But I learned something when I read that text. Then it says that God bruises, or God, God bruises those whom he loved, that whole part of it, right? But pick your switch is when I begin to realize that every one of us are going to get the opportunity to pick our pain. We are all going to go to the next one. Pick, we, pick your switch, a.k.a. pick your pain, which is, which is the very reason. Now, here, here's how I want to unpack this for you. Embedded in life, here's an adult lesson. Everybody ready to learn? Embedded in life, here's the greatest adult lesson you're going to learn. There are two pains that are included, it, it comes included with your adulthood. You, can't, you, you cannot avoid it. This, this is your adult starter packet. It comes with it. Your response to what I'm going to tell you will determine your success as an adult. Spiritually, professionally, socially, romantically, you put it wherever you want. There are two pains. Number one is the pain of discipline. You, 
You control this pain. Number one is the pain of discipline. Number two is the pain of consequence. I'm going to say it one more time. Let me back that thing on up like juvenile for the 9-9-2000. The pain of discipline and the pain of consequence. I'm going to end with unpacking this because this is the most important thing you're going to learn tonight. As an adult, the pain of discipline, you control it and decide by starving your impulse to get a result. Your ability to think long term about the result you want and to discipline yourself to do it. would Now, it's going to be painful, but you control the pain. The pain of consequence, you give up control and whatever comes with life. All right, you make an example, Marcus. The pain of discipline. It is, it is, it is not this fun feeling when people say, oh, I love going to the gym. I'm like, they're crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I get exhilarated. I feel certain energy, but I hate the treadmill and I hate leg day. I, if I could avoid it at all costs, if I could just wake up tomorrow and, ha and have everything that I need, be honest. Who would really go do abs if they didn't have to do abs? Who would give, If it was up to me, I'd eat fried lemon pepper wings, heavy on the shake, with some mild sauce on it every day, and some shrimp. But the pain of discipline starves me, star allows me to make a decision to starve something that I want for something that I, that I need. Now, if I don't employ the pain of discipline, the pain of consequence is high blood pressure, obesity, things of that nature. Everybody follow me. In any area of your life, whether it be your finances, you name it. Here's something I learned. According to sociologists, they said that two things that we all have in common. Stay right there. We did not even got to go there. Uh, two things we all have in common. We all want the same thing in different ways. We all, are, we all want our finances and our fitness to be in place. And right now, it will be some variation of that. They said they polled tons of people and those are the top needs of people that everybody knows, okay, I want to make more money, manage more money, do better with my finances, or I want to do better with my health. Now, we all know we want it, but we cannot make the decision between the never-ending battle between the pain of discipline and the pain of consequence. Because given the opportunity, we typically move on the side of, ah, I'll start tomorrow, pain of consequence. We defer the things that we should have the discipline to do. Everybody following what I'm saying now? This, this is what's happening in our adulthood. This is what keeps us from success. This is what keeps us from happiness. This is what keeps us from all the things that we need is the inability to stop giving up control of our lives. The pain of discipline or the pain of consequence. Which one will I choose? This never-ending battle between pain of discipline and pain of consequence. Now, here's, what, here's what, how, you, how you do it. Pain of discipline and pain of consequence is not always an action. Sometimes it's thought. Go to my next slide. It's going to be up there. Physical and mental vision and belief. Here we go. What do I mean it's a thought? When I know that there is something that I want for my life, it is going to be about how do I see myself in the world? If you see yourself, there is nothing more stronger than a person's internal belief or vision of themselves. You will fight to maintain how you see yourself. If you see yourself as shy and uncertain, and I don't do people like that, you're going to fight to maintain that environment. If you see yourself as outgoing, if you see your, however you view yourself, it is not until you erase that old picture, create a new one with your vision, that you then can start choosing between the pain of discipline and the pain of consequence. I'm going to discipline myself to move towards matching the picture I see. If I see myself as a homeowner, 
I am going to it. I'm going to say, oh, man, God, oh, I sh oh, man, I want me one more tracksuit. Just, I mean, I'm using my own example. I, I mean, I, I'm not I don't want a house. I already got one, but you get my point. I didn't want to say nothing that, that could step on somebody's toes. Right. And let's just say you got a ton of them. I'm talking about like 20, 30 of them joints. Right. But you're like, oh, man, but that red one, though. You're, oh, OK. You got food at the house that you could go home and cook right now. But you look, man, I don't feel like cooking. But you're going to probably wait at the restaurant longer than it would have took for you to cook. Pain of discipline versus the pain of consequence. Man, I don't want to put nothing else on my credit card. But you do. Man, all right, I, what am I, I, man, it, in two weeks, I'm going to get serious about working out. If in your plan, you've already, you already pushed it off to two weeks, you started, you started procrastinating. There's no discipline attached to it. I knew I was going to kill y'all joy tonight with this. There must be a vision that you do everything now with the future in mind. Do everything now with the future in mind. If you truly believe in what you say you want, you are supposed to do everything now with the future in mind. If I know that I expect such and such in my life, I do everything now with the future in mind. You know one of our epicisms is whether one or one million, we do it the same. Why? Because I expect God to do something for us. I don't believe in waiting until there's law, until I reach a certain destination. I do everything now with the future in mind. Why? Because my actions are a testimony to God of what I truly believe. <laughs> My actions are a testimony to God of what I truly believe. Amen. You can lie and say whatever you want, but until your, listen to me, until your belief moves into a behavior, you're lying to yourself. Mm. Belief without behavior is a lie. Until your belief becomes a consistent behavior, there is no way to produce a result. So whether it is one or one million, the first day or the last day, whether it's entry level or CEO, whether it's the first day of the relationship or the last day, you are supposed to do everything now because my actions are telling God, this is what I'm going to do because this is what I'm believing for. It. See, the reason why I told you pain of discipline, pain of consequence is because if both pains are present, I get to pick my pain, a.k.a. pick my switch. Sure. I get to choose whether it's going to be the pain that comes to me from the consequence of a decision I didn't make or the pain that comes to me from a decision I made followed by an action. Everybody caught that? We end with this. This is where we find ourselves biblically. This is where we find ourselves emotionally because we are struggling with this internal battle of what I feel like doing versus what I have the ability or the discipline to push through that feeling to make it happen. You ever notice how tired you are when you first open your eyes? Once your feet hit the ground and you actually take an action, you're all right. That's, that's all of life. Let's, let's go to my next one. We got to get out of here. I ain't going to go to Universal Gold, skip. I'm, I'll end with uh, four and one. Four and one. Go to the next one. I couldn't leave without telling y'all what are the promises. What's this process? I can tell when y'all dying out. What's this process? Y'all taking notes online? I wish I could see them. I, I, bet, I bet somebody in their living room right now frying chicken. <laughs> Man, I want some of that. Let me get two pieces. All right. Is everybody learning something tonight? Yes, 
Yes, you want me to do something with this? Yes, All right. Now, here's why we got, we got to give you Bible. De nobody's confused on that pain of discipline, pain of consequence. You're going to see it show up in your life all this week. Amen. Man, I'm going to get up tomorrow at 6 a.m. I'm going to get up early. Pain of discipline, pain of consequence. <laughs> who, who told themselves they're going to the gym starting next week? I'm going. I'm going first day tomorrow. For real, for real. Now, I might hit it tonight. Okay, I ain't gonna get into that. Here we go. <laughs> if, so we said Galatians 4.1 says, as long as a person is immature, think of it this way, if a father has left an inheritance, God has left an inheritance for us. So everything I want in my life, God has left for me, but if I'm gonna get it, I've gotta grow up, right? In essence, I've gotta pick my switch. I've gotta pick my pain, discipline or consequence. So here's what, here's what God gave to Abraham. Go, go ahead to my next one, what God gave to Abraham. No, no, no. Go back, backwards, see your left. There we go. God gave him, number one, a command. I don't have time to unpack it, but read Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 when you get a chance. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 when you get a chance. Don't worry, I've done the research for you. But the least you can do is go home and read. It's going to bring value to you because all of these are found in Genesis chapter 12. I told y'all, every message kind of is supposed to build on top of each other. So y'all don't remember the message called Sure Thing? That the person that I was saying that God called a sure thing was to Abraham, surely blessing, I will bless you. So this week it makes sense then moving into adulting to show Abraham's life and the promise. Everything has a stack on each other. I couldn't be a good pastor to you and not grow you incrementally. So now we're seeing what was the promise given to Abraham as well as Abram flash Abraham has to go through the adulting one on one process with God too. Oh, this is so good. Here we go. We're done. All right. First thing God tells him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, get thee out of thy country, out of thy land, and away from thy kindred, and go to a land I'll show you. That's a command. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Abram, get out of your country, out of your land, away from your father's house and your family. That's the command. Abram is tied up in some nasty stuff. You know that. I'm talking about some real nasty stuff. God tells him a command, get out, which is a command, and then he tells him what he'll do. Then he talks about the blessing. The promise is that he's going to bless him. He's going to bless him. Everybody who blesses him will be blessed. So Abraham, you're the prototype of a blessing. I'm going to start an entire generation with you. Everything you touch, everywhere you go will be blessed. He, told, he tells him the stars in the sky, the sand in the sea, and the sand of the shore. Y'all give me three minutes to tell you this. The, the stars and the sand. We got to grow by this. The stars and the sand. The stars are us. The sand is the children of Israel. The sand was his natural Israelite children that would be birthed through his loins. That he would now birth all the tribes that now Moses would come along and deliver from slavery. The stars are the spiritual children. That we are the seed or the sons of Abraham. Ah. So the Bible tells us, according to Galatians, this New Testament, please stay with me. According to Galatians, that we are heirs of that same promise. The children of Israel in the Old Testament inherited the promised land. They got their promise. We are who he was talking about that are the stars who inherit that all we got to do, what is the promise he's talking about? Abraham believed by faith and received. Any person who believes what God said by faith and receives, 
Ah, receive the promises of God. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. This, this, he was talking about us. But he gives him the last part, a covenant slash contract. And I know, I know, I know we kind of lost a few people on that one. It's okay. So stay with us. Stay with us. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you get this as we progress forward. Week, week by week. Take this medicine. Come back. Okay. <laughs> last, he gave him a covenant slash contract. The covenant in that time, or we call contract, you know, everybody know what contract is. It's a binding agreement between two parties. God, when he made a promise or covenant with Abraham, did not allow Abraham to sign it. I told you last week, when God could find no one greater, he swore by himself. Surely blessing, I will bless you. So the contract is irrevocable because God made it with himself. It is contingent on God being God, not Abram being Abram. Oh my God. So here is the part where we land this plane. Why choose Abraham? Anybody lost right now? Y'all with me? Why choose Abraham? Why choose him? Because he's got to go through the adulting process that the promise was made to Abram, but he cannot receive it until he becomes Abraham. He has to go through the same process of choosing the pain of discipline or the pain of consequence. With every step that he makes, not knowing what God's going to do in his life, pain of consequence. I mean, pain of discipline. Pain of discipline. Y'all remember now, Genesis 17, write this down. This is a lot of Bible. I know, I know, but we got to get, we got to get this. Genesis 17, Genesis 17. And you might be sitting here like, how's this dude spitting out these scriptures? Because the pain of discipline. <laughs> I read my Bible intensively. I study like crazy even when I don't feel like it because it is the pain of discipline that matches my purpose. Pain of discipline. Genesis 17. Here we go. You, you know, when it came to the covenant, remember Genesis 12, stay, stay here. Genesis 12, what I mentioned. Stay, come on. Genesis 12 is where I just mentioned where he gave him a command and a promise. You got it? The covenant is not given until Genesis 17. Stay, everybody got that. Genesis 12. Bless you. Get out of your country, away from your land, move. Where you want to move? Just keep walking, I'll show you. So go through a period of 24 years not knowing what God's going to do. That's how long he walked. 24 years dealing with the pain of discipline. And it is not until Genesis chapter 17 that it is the pain of discipline like I've never seen that he has now got to be circumcised. The cutting away of flesh. The cutting away of old mindsets, old ideas, old feelings. That's where I got this quote from. I, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Don't no grown man feel like circumcising himself and everybody in his house. <laughs> this is what Abraham had to do. Now you're seeing how it's stacked and layered on top of each other. He had to cut away something in his life that felt good to him. But in cutting it away, God gives him the covenant in Genesis 17. And his name is changed from Abram to Abraham. I'm done. I'm done. I'm trying. I'm trying to work in here. Get, get, get me out of here. I'm done. I'm done. Don't even go to no more slides because I'm going to teach. I'm going to do something that I don't know I'm going to do. Who has a question? I cannot let you leave confused. Who has a question? Online, in person, who has a question? Who's struggling with this whole Abraham situation? Who is questioning with the scriptures? I'll give them back to you. Genesis 12. Genesis 17. 
Everybody remember those two. Galatians 3 and 29 and Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Everybody got those? I said it quick, but y'all a smart crowd. Okay, family, we got to start right there. We're just getting started. That's only message number one of Adulting 101 series. Say it with me. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's going to be something that happens in your week, whether it's the gym, whether it's relationship, whether it's hard work, whether it's building a business, writing the book, whether it's calling somebody back, sending an email, getting up a few minutes earlier to be to work on time, whether it's going to church on Sunday, there's going to be something that you don't feel like it, but you're going to do it anyway. And that's the way that we're going to reach success. Let's grow together. So do me a favor. Don't forget, share this with someone as well as leave us a review. And if you're in the South Florida area, come check us out in person. 5500 South University Drive, Davie, Florida. Come visit us live and in living color. Now, if you are not in person, you still can enjoy the Epic Nation because you can log on from anywhere in the world. And it's not just logging on. You can join our global community. Become an Epic Nation partner. It is not just a matter of logging on, but we have an, a pastor that is ready to serve you. Krisha Bowen that is in Trinidad. So she herself lives in a whole other country. We have built out a platform to make sure we can service people from all over the world and pastor you. Every Wednesday night, we do a virtual Bible study that we call DPATH, walking you through. We're in a series now called How to Study the Bible. So just look us up, The Epic Nation, on Facebook. Join it. We'll send you the links to make sure that you can virtually be involved in it. And here's the beauty of our virtual um, training every Wednesday. It's a video training, so you get to see not just me, but your brothers and sisters from around the world. How wonderful is that? So can't wait to meet you. Can't wait to see you. We are epic, empowering purpose, inspiring change.